do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Well, I am excited today because I have Aaron Brewster on the podcast with me. Aaron is the founder of Truth Love Parent. He is an author, a speaker, counselor, pastor, but even more so, he is a husband, a father, and a Christ follower. So Aaron, so glad you could join us on the show today. And I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, I love to have an opportunity to meet new brothers in Christ and to get introduced to new people. I think it's great. So thank you. Oh, it is my pleasure. Now, for those uh, in our audience who are not familiar with it, what is Truth Love Parent? Uh, that's a great question because really it's just, it's, it's three words, you know, that's all it is. <laughs> uh, so Truth Love Parent uh, now, actually, as of 2020, uh, is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry wow. uh, geared specifically toward glorifying God by equipping dads and moms to be the parents that God called and created them to be. Hmm. That is awesome and and so needed. So what what was the motivation? Kind of what led you to to start it? Well, it came about in a very interesting way. So I'm gonna have to rewind quite a bit. Um, Absolutely. First of all, my move to North Carolina, where my family and I currently live, uh, is my 22nd move. I have uh, moved a lot for a lot of different reasons. I tell people, well, that's what happens when your dad's running from the cops, but that wasn't true. <laughs> so uh, way back when, uh, in the early 2000s, uh, after my wife and I got married in 2006, we were living in Illinois, and I was the uh, administrative, sorry, associate administrator of a rather large Christian school in the Schaumburg area. And among other things, uh, in my free time, I love to write. And so I started a blog called Evermind Ministries. And I was kind of a, a approaching that blog a lot like a lot of Christian bloggers do, you know, just kind of hitting on various topics, not really landing on in any one specific particular niche, but just uh, dealing with, you know, the full counsel of God. I was teaching at the time, love kids, love teaching. I, be, I was the, uh, the a biblical counselor on staff there for the families. Long story short, though, I ended up moving to a, another ministry in the north woods of Wisconsin called Victory Academy for Boys, where now my ministry became very specific. I was dealing with at-risk teens. I was mm -hmm. working with broken families, and that's what I did day in and day out. The boys came. They lived in my home. So I had anywhere from um, you know, two to eight at-risk wow. teen boys living in my home two resident assistants, my family of four, it's like 14 of us in the house. And so I'm working in that environment uh, day uh -huh. in and day out. What I was, when I found myself doing is I didn't have time then to write anymore, uh, you know, as a Christian blogger might about a bunch of different stuff. I really was, I was just every single day, I was focused in on what I was doing there. But we recognized the fact that we needed to not just work with the boys who were in my home, but we also needed to uh, work with their parents because mm -hmm. uh, the whole family dynamic needs to be addressed if we're really going to see some significant change uh, in, in any situation with a child. And so I started working on our parent program, and that was supposed to be basically a long distance because uh, we had kids from all over the country uh, coming uh. to Victory Academy. And so uh, we would work long distance with the families uh, via the parent program. And then they would also come in and we'd have counseling times with them during certain times of the year. 
And so I was, I was creating this parenting program. It started off as emails being sent out and things like that. And then I was writing longer articles and things. And I was also getting a lot of phone calls at that time because people who knew I was working at Victory Academy, I had some pastor friends calling me. We had people cold calling us with family troubles and they were asking mm-hmm. us questions. And I found that my answers to their questions uh, primarily were coming from the parent program material that we were creating, which was you know, being drawn from God's word. And I recognized, well, okay, so so this parent program has more value beyond just the walls of Victory Academy for Boys and the families we're serving within that context. There are other people, uh, whether they have teenage boys or little girls, uh, that this can benefit. And as a parent at the time, uh, I have two kids right now. My son just turned 14. My daughter's 11 and a half. So as a parent at the time, I I was definitely seeing how this was, you know, God's word was necessary in my life and parenting my kids. And so I had never listened to a podcast in my life, but in 2016, in September, I decided to turn the parent program, what I had at the time into a podcast. Mm. And uh, that was basically the start of it. And so Truth Love Parent with A.M. Brewster, the podcast started in September of 2016. And by God's grace, it just, it just blew up. It just expanded. And I think, I think it did so for two main reasons. Number one, like you said, you know, I think we parents are always looking for, um, especially Christian parents, you know, how we can be better at our job, how we can glorify God uh, in our parenting. Uh, But I think everyone's looking for that. But then secondly, too, I found that a lot of the Christian parenting podcasts at the time, and I was listening to a lot of them back then, um, really were dealing with a lot of the low-hanging fruit type of issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were all talking about the same types of things, and the Bible was kind of tacked on oftentimes, instead Mm -hmm. of being like, the core, like we are going to talk about God's word here and really unpack it, even exegetically if necessary. So that's, I think, why it started to resonate with people. And then um, fast forward into the end of 2019, and my family and I moved from Victory Academy, and we came down to North Carolina. um, And in 2020, I made the decision to invest our time 100% in Truth Love Parent. And so we uh, we started to do that. We we started going through the, uh, the process of you know uh, turning into a, a nonprofit and um, really defining our three main goals for the ministry as a whole. Goal number one uh, was that we would continue the podcast and create other free biblical parenting resources. We want uh, God's truth to be available to anyone who wants it. So if people were to go to like, you know, truthloveparent.com, they would find we have two podcasts. We have Truth Love Parent. And then we also have the Celebration of God, which was created as a resource for Christian parents. But we also have a bunch of other stuff there uh, that people can access. So that's the the first tier is to have biblical resources, some of them free, some of them paid. And we're working more and more in creating uh, like family conference materials and workshops and things like that that people can uh, get uh, get connected with. The second thing that we do is we are... Uh, working with pastors and counselors and teachers, basically anyone who has a ministry or who serves uh, families and children, we're working with them to help them uh, to do that better. So that can be just generally speaking, how do we disciple children? Um, how do we serve families in our in our congregations, that type of a thing? But since my background uh, is in you know working specifically with at risk at risk teens and children and broken families, a lot of the training that I do uh, has to do with uh, equipping these pastors and counselors and teachers to work with similar uh, students and family members, um, people who are, who are struggling. And then the third thing we do is we have a biblical counseling center. And I guess we have a local um, center, but we also have an online presence where we're, a lot of the counseling we're doing is online, where we're 
reaching out to individuals and their families, and we are giving them uh, specialized uh, and specific help for them in their situation via biblical counseling. Wow. I mean, that is beautiful. That is, that's intense. I mean, that's just a lot of good stuff going on there. So you say you made that that move, like that 2019-ish remove from Wisconsin to North Carolina, and where and now this is full time. And so, was that like you saw that coming over time? Was that like, oh my word, we just need to go and and do this? The Lord's really calling us to take this and really do this full time. What was that like at that point in time? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Just from a human perspective, trying to, uh, you know, leaving your job and trying to start up a nonprofit uh, at the beginning of 2020 uh, probably, you know, wasn't the best idea, uh, but God was really in it uh, for sure. Um, we we were happy at Victory Academy. Things were awesome there. In fact, I was moving from, uh, well, I had already been, I was a residence manager and the lead residential counselor there. And then I, uh, two years prior, prior, I had started transitioning to the role of the director of the academy program. Mm-hmm. And, but we were having a hard time finding someone to come in and, and into the residence and the transition period was difficult. So I was kind of doing both of them. And we were actually preparing to move me full time into the director part of the, uh, the program. Mm. And get we got somebody else to work into uh, into the um, the resident side of it, and the Lord just started working. In fact, it was really it was really very interesting from from the first thought that my wife and I had until the day that we were driving down the road was two weeks, wow. two weeks. Now that wasn't because Victor Academy was a terrible place and we wanted to you know knock the dust off of our shoes. That wasn't it at all. Uh, Victor Academy is fantastic. Mark Massey is the executive director of Victory Family Ministries, doing an awesome job up there. My friend Andy Morrison is working now in the house in the position that I previously had, and my other friend Dan Rott is now the director of Victory Academy overall, as well as uh, in, in charge of the actual school side of the program. And they're doing a fantastic job. I highly recommend anybody. Uh, who has a teen boy, uh, and they're struggling with them, and they're they're they've at at their wits end. Um, definitely reach out to Victory Academy for Boys. Uh, I promise you, they can help. They're doing a fantastic job. But to your question, the Lord uh, used a number of different um, things in that in that two week time period to have my wife and I realize that uh, He wanted to move us on to the next phase of our ministry, and we actually really didn't know at that time what it was. I believe that TLP was probably going to continue to be something I was doing because I was really passionate about it. Uh, It's so important, the family. I mean, when you look at Genesis, uh, right after creating a relationship between God and man, the very next thing God created was the family. Before he created government, before he created the church, before he created religion, he created the family. Super important, core concept. Uh, so I'm really passionate about that. Always thought the TLP would be part of it, but wasn't 100% certain if I was going to pursue it full time. So mm-hmm. I've done a lot of different things in the past, um, you, know, I, you know, from from pastoring to uh, camp director to teacher, all these different things. And I was really open to see where the Lord uh, was going to direct us as we kind of really stepped out on faith at the end of 2019. Uh, not really 100% certain where we go, uh, but a number of things came into play and the Lord just made it so clear that this is exactly what he wanted us doing. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a mystic, obviously God's word comes to us from, from his word. Right. Uh, but I think all of the circumstances I was experiencing at the time, uh, just made it clear that this was the the best option at the time. So we jumped 100% into truth, love parent, 
And yeah, we hit a lot of uh, roadblocks, you know, having a ministry that involves going out and speaking in a lot of different places uh, at the beginning of 2020. <laughs> Again, uh, that didn't quite work out so well, uh, but the Lord knew that. And uh, we're getting more speaking opportunities now and things like that. And we're just praising God for what he's doing. It's a beautiful picture of faith. It's it's not blind faith. It is faith in you know the one who was and is and is to come. He is Amen. he is absolutely real. His word is true, but yet listening to his leadings. Uh, and so I know as as a guy, as a believer, as a husband, father, I need to remember that too. Right? Mm-hmm. This this is not our fight on our own. We're not in this alone. We are a called and equipped you know, by a holy and all-powerful God. So amen. That is, uh, that's encouraging. And so I'm going to pivot into a question kind of as parents and as through your years of experience, and, and I'm sure even from when you started uh, even working at Victory Academy or even before then uh, to today, there's likely even been some changes uh, in this question. But what do you see, I guess, today is the biggest challenge for us as parents in discipling our children? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that you asked that only because um, I just got done doing, I don't know, it was in a nine part series or something uh, like that called the biggest parenting challenges you will ever face. Wow. And it, it was actually inspired by a, a conversation I had with a gentleman on a radio program. And he wanted to talk about that. He wanted to talk about the biggest parenting challenges. And I sat and thought about it for a long, long time when I started digging into the scriptures, I realized that the parenting challenges that we have now are actually the exact same parenting challenges we have always had. Mm. Uh, Technology might seem like a new thing, you know, but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, which means that there's something about technology or the way that we use it and the way it influences us that has always been around. That's always been a part of the human condition. So uh, when I, when I put together this, uh, this series, one of the things that um, I really focused in on were the timeless issues that we all struggle with. Mm. And what we saw was that all of these things were, were tied together. Now, if anyone's interested, because we obviously don't have the time to go over it now, it's a multi-part series, but if you wanted to check out truthloveparent.com, you can search biggest parenting challenges or whatever else, and you can find this series. But we saw that everything really ultimately comes down to our identity, our children's identity. Who do they believe themselves to be? Do they believe themselves to be Uh, completely autonomous individuals who it's their own responsibility to find their way in life, or do they believe themselves to be children of the King followers of God, depending on that answer right there. And only that answer right there will determine the trajectory that the child is on. So helping my child from a very early um, point in their lives to recognize who God created them to be, who they are, that he has a purpose for them, that there's something bigger in this life than them. And that person is God and that plan is God's plan. That's extremely important. From there, I'd say the second biggest challenge that we all face is this concept of what I like to call security. Now, security, that word we don't use very often unless you're in the security profession. But I I see that there are two big parts to security overall. And that's safety on one side and satisfaction on another side. Our children want to feel safe. I mean, babies cry because they are insecure, because they need something, uh, they don't have it, and they want to have it. They're not satisfied. They feel unsafe. And so this is how they respond. Even infants do that. And we all do this. Um, none of us are going out there uh, today, you know, 
generally speaking, choosing to walk barefoot over broken glass and burning coals um, because we're trying to avoid that. You know, when I buy shoes, I like to buy comfortable shoes, right? Because safety and satisfaction are very important to us. But how I answer the safety and satisfaction question is going to be tied up in my identity. If I view myself as an autonomous individual floating out here in space uh, where I need to come up with my own answers to life's difficulties, then I'm just going to basically rely on, well, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel comfortable? What do I like? And if it all comes back to me, well, I can choose anything and people do. I can choose to believe that I'm not a male. I'm actually a five-year-old female. I can choose to believe that, um, that taking another person's life would feel good. I can choose to believe whatever I want. And I start to find my security, start to find my satisfaction, um, in line with my identity, or I can recognize that the the greatest safety, the greatest security, the greatest satisfaction I could ever have would be found in submitting to God and loving him and obeying him. And so again, we see that that identity then rolls out from there. And from there, obviously technology, like I mentioned before, is a big parenting challenge. How does that play into this bigger picture? Um, The the idea of autonomy, children who, uh, who, who think that they don't need mom and dad, uh, children in authority. I mean, that's huge. You know, what, what family doesn't have authority problems? Well, this is all part of this process. How a child looks at authority is either going to be tied up in, am I going to submit to God's will for my authority, or am I going to submit to my own will uh, for how I view authority? Um, and whoever authority is, is going to affect our morality. Um, I have the right to decide what's right and wrong if my identity is wrapped up in me. But if it's in Christ, then he gets, he gets to be the one who decides what's right and wrong. This is going to affect my sexuality. This is going to affect my family. This is going to affect my addictions. Addictions are a huge thing. I'll tell you, any family listening right now, your children are addicted. 100%, they are addicted to something. Biblically speaking, you can know they're addicted to themselves. They're addicted to their Mm. own lusts, their own desires. And it's that addiction, that primary addiction that gives, um, that feeds all the other secondary addictions. Like when we think alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. So my addictions are going to uh, be determined by my identity, how I view Mm -hmm. myself. So it's a a huge thing, but we're all facing the exact same stuff. And praise God that the Bible is sufficient. It has all of the answers. It addresses all of these things. And we do not have to, you know, be afraid. We don't have to look at these parenting challenges and freak out because we don't have the answers right here, right now in our brains, because we know that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. And the answers are there. That is so encouraging to remind ourselves of that, that that God's word is sufficient, that he has not abandoned us, that we are his. Yeah, we need that reminder every day. I know I do. I'm sure everybody listening to this uh, does. And uh, that's just really powerful. Amen. I really like that the first one you mentioned was identity and how really everything stems from that, really how it's our identity in Christ and helping, not only helping our children to see that and understand that, but really trying to remember that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know, I know as a guy, especially as, as a guy, I can speak to guy things a little easier than I can, you know, uh, you know female things in that regard. But I know as a guy, it's really easy to get wrapped up in our identities, whether it's it's in our jobs, whether it's in our hobbies, whether it's in money, whatever. And so, um, I like that you really emphasize the uh, the identity piece in that. 
as you have spoken with families and and worked with families and worked with especially boys, how does how have you seen the impact of the dad play into this or the lack of dad play into this? Is there like significance? Is it mom and dad the same? Uh, I know I'm throwing you a curveball. This wasn't on our list, but um, <laughs> that, that question just kind of came up. Have you seen a difference there? Well, I want to start uh, with an encouragement. Uh, if you're listening and you are a single mom, I don't want anything that comes next to cause you to be afraid that uh, your boys or your girls can't thrive spiritually because a dad's not in the picture. Okay, so I want to, I want to start with that because our God is good. He is father to the fatherless. He is husband to the widows. Um, he is the God who cares for all of us. And we are in a broken world, and things aren't always the way they should be. But I do want to, to just tell you that um, that God is at work in all of it. Okay, but with that said, we do recognize in Scripture that God is has very high expectations for fathers. Uh, it is the fathers who are supposed to lead the family, lead the wives, lead the children, uh, lead. Actually, we call it, um, I stole a term and I can't remember who I stole it from, but I stole a term called first follower. We're not actually the leaders in our households. God is is supposed to be the leader. We're following God and we're inviting everyone behind us to follow us. I'm just the first follower in my household. And so, so that is clear in scripture and uh, the world sees this. Uh, there are people um, who are un- unbelievers. Uh, one lady in particular, I-, I follow her on Twitter because I find everything she says so interesting coming from an unbelieving standpoint. Her name is Lisa Britton and she is just really big on boys. Uh, she hates the way the feminist movement has shunned men and shunned boys. And she's really advocating for them. And she sees it so important. And she shares research and whatnot that the world says, hey, it's important guys to have guys in the family. No, when dad's not there, uh, the chances for people falling into crime and dropping out of school and whatnot, it just skyrockets. So, so the world sees it. And I, I don't know if that Christians are seeing it, but in my biblical counseling ministry, I tell you what, one of the things I encounter more often than not are the effects of Genesis chapter three. In Genesis chapter three, um, we see Adam abdicating his responsibility. We know that Eve brought Adam the fruit And she said, here, eat this. And even though he was the leader, even though he should have said no, we were told by God not to eat that, he followed her advice and he ate it and mankind was plummeted into sin. And then we see God telling Eve, well, now that sin's in the world, one of your biggest temptations, Eve, is that your desire is going to be to rule over your husband. Uh, It's going to be to take that place. And so ever since then, we see the natural desire of women is to uh, to take over the spiritual authority of the house. And we see the natural desire for men is to let her do it, to sit back and become apathetic and, and, and wait in the wings. But any time that we embrace a sinful uh, way of life that goes against God's plan, uh, what we're doing is we are inviting all the destruction that goes along with that. So yes, I would say that when guys are not leading as God would have them lead, bringing up our children, the discipline and instruction of the Lord, there are going to be hardcore consequences for that. However, again, I want to I want to end this with hope uh, for you ladies out there. Your husbands are unsaved. Um, you are a single mom, whatever the case may be. Um, there is always hope in God. Things Your house may not be set up perfectly the way you would want it to be. Uh, but you don't have to feel like there's no hope for my children. There's always hope in God. And I, I really appreciate you making that caveat too, you know, for single moms, there is abundant hope in Christ. Uh, and so, yeah, that question was, 
more for when the dad is in the home. Yeah, so I, I appreciate it, dad. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. That's, well, and that, that's a, it's a funny question because, you know, as, I, as I've talked with guys, as I've, you know, interacted with them, I see this passivity, right? That, that natural mm-hmm. bent. And do you have, do you have any suggestions, you know, for, for churches, for families where the guy is, is just laying back and he is being passive? Is there a way to motivate them? Is there a way to, to encourage them to step up? Well, that's, that is a huge question. It's a difficult question. And there are so many answers because there are so many different people. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. One of the questions I love to ask at Victory Academy for Boys was the question, tell me, why do you hate your parents? Now, the timing of that question had to be uh, very carefully put out there. You know, I, I didn't lead with that question. I would develop a relationship with these guys and I would substantiate a few things in their mind. They knew that Mr. Brewster loved them. Uh, mm-hmm. They knew that Mr. Brewster loved God. They knew a lot of things about me before I, this would come up. But eventually I would ask the question, so why do you hate your parents? Mm-hmm. And the response to that was always very interesting. Uh, lots of times it was, it was even guys who like, who are such jerks to their parents. You'd be like, well, I don't hate my parents. And I'd be like, well, y- you do. Cause remember when we had that chapel about what biblical love is and we recognize the fact that way and blah, blah, blah. So what's the tied question? Well, the tied your question is this. Uh, sometimes really the only answer to father passivity is, so why don't you love God? I mean, seriously, like what God is amazing. Awesome. God, he saved you from sin. He's given you the Holy spirit. He's given you everything and to lead your family, but you're not doing it. You're not doing it. Cause you're really not passionate about God. You really don't think it's that important. You think your job or your hobbies are more important. So you think letting your wife run the house is more important. You think lots of other things are more important, but you, you know, in your brain, you'd never, you'd never say, I hate God. You never say, I don't love God. You never say, oh, I don't think God's important, but practically you're living like he isn't. You're living like his mm-hmm. commands for your life aren't important. Now, do we lead with that question? No, probably not. <laughs> we don't lead with that question, but we have to go into it, recognizing the fact that anytime we see a man, a woman, or a child who is sinning, you know, not, not obeying God, they're not obeying God because they love themselves more than they love God. Ken Collier uh, says, just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And when I choose to find my identity in me and to live my life to my own satisfaction, then I'm not going to obey God. Now, can a child of God uh, sin in this way. Yes, we do it all the time. Every single time Aaron Brewster sins, he sins because uh, in that moment, I loved God. So I loved Aaron and I hated God. Um, that's really what it was. And, and if you understand, you know, biblical love and biblical hatred, it does make sense. You know, it's, it's not like I lost my salvation or anything like that. It's just, I loved myself and I hated God. And that is the ultimate problem. So what can I do, Eric, to help you love God more? Not much, not really. I mean, you're, that's your choice. And this is also really important for parents to recognize with their children. God did not give you children so that you could control them, so that you could change them. That is an impossibility. Only God changes people. Uh, God gave you your children so that you can influence them for Christ, so that, Lord willing, your children will choose to follow Christ. And the same thing is true in any other ministry, whether it's a church or whatever else, as a biblical counselor. I can sit across from an individual and I can, and I can try to do a couple things. Number one, I can try to show them how awesome God is. 
Mm-hmm. That's what the scriptures are from in the beginning to amen. It's this is God's his, his his character. These are his deeds. He is worthy of preeminence. He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of honor and glory and obedience. Look at him, follow him. And that's the second thing. I can I can introduce them to how awesome God is, and then I can invite them to respond. Uh, I had a podcast episode called The Point of Nearly Every Conversation. And basically is to present God's truth and then to call the individual to respond to that. Are you going to Mm -hmm. accept it and thereby live in it? Or are you going to reject it and live your own way? So that's the second thing I can do. Um, And and that calling them can look like a lot of different things. It can look like a a casual invitation. It can look like... um, inviting a person to follow Christ. It can look like, um, so what, why do you practically hate God? You know, it can be that type of a more uh, aggressive uh, confrontation, you know, whatever it needs to be, but it's all really about, okay, this is who God is. This is what he said. So now what are you going to do about it? Because listen, according to first John, you can't say I'm living in the light and then actually live in the darkness. I love how John, I mean, we, we picture John, like, you know, the one whom Jesus loved and he loved Jesus and resting on Jesus's chest and everything like that. We, we picture him kind of to be a softie, but man, oh man, John in first John calls us a liar over and over and over again. He says, <laughs> you can't say this and then live like this. And that's what a lot of passive dads are doing. A lot of passive dads are going to church and saying, oh, I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I, I know. I, I believe all that's important. Well, no, you don't. Not really. You're lying. You're lying to yourself because your heart's deceitful and it's desperately wicked. You can't even recognize it. You're lying to yourself because how do we know what we believe? I know, Aaron Brewster, know, I know what I believe based off of how I live. That's how I know what I believe. doesn't matter what I say I believe. doesn't matter what I think I believe. I will always work out my faith. I will always live what I believe. My behavior will match my beliefs, all right? So helping the father to recognize that and to see that it's not good enough to say you believe something. You actually have to live it. Uh, whatever we can do to help them to see that really, I think is probably um, the best way that we can help that particular individual, whether again, it's a man uh, or it's a child. I appreciate that. I think that is, um, that's encouraging to me because like you say, we can't change their minds, but we can definitely influence. We can point them to Christ. We can uh, really make much of Christ in their presence and in our conversations. Now, if, so if a guy's listening to this, he's like, okay. I, I just really got a liar. I just got up. I, I guess got up in his grill. I know I did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, but sometimes, sometimes though, it's it is. I mean, it's that fruit thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you can you can call whatever you want to call the seed, right? You can take, you know, like a, an apple seed and call it a peach seed, and you can plant it in the ground, but that seed is going to grow into an apple tree regardless mm-hmm. of what you call it. And so our fruit, the very actions that we do, that's really where our heart's at, just like Amen. you said. Because if you say I'm a follower of Christ, but you can't tell, yeah, that doesn't quite that doesn't quite gel, right? You know, there, mm-hmm. there, you have a lot of inconsistency there. And so and that's really challenging to me too, because it's like, oh my word. You know, is my life conforming to what Christ has called me to be as a husband, as a father, as a Christ follower? Man, I need to keep that in mind and and just <laughs> cry out to, to to the Lord every day to help me because man, I'm Amen. I'm stuck on my own. Mm, um, and so, if a guy's listening, he's like, you know what? I've I've been sitting on the sidelines. I haven't really been. I haven't been taking ownership. I really haven't stepped up and I'm terrified. Like, 
because that's the way we guys are. Like we, we, the pride gets in the way and then it's like, oh my word, I don't know what to do. Where am I going to go? I'm going to look like an idiot. You know, whatever lie, you know, is, is popping around in our heads. What's, what would be like a first step for this guy? Right. So what would be like, okay, I know I need to do something, but I don't know what to do. What would you encourage them to, to do? Yeah. Great question. And I love, I love our Lord's, uh, use of parables, metaphor, mm. you know, uh, physical illustrations. And I think one of the reasons Jesus used those, we, we know lots of reasons he used parables, but I think one of them, he, one of the reasons he used it was to help us to recognize that spiritual truth is not as difficult, uh, to grasp and to figure out as we, we thought it was because any guy asking that question right now actually already knows the answer. Okay. Mm. But let's take it out of the spiritual realm for a second and throw it into some really common realm. All right. Let's just say, you know, we'll pick a really a manly thing, right? Uh, hunting, uh, or we could pick uh, uh, working out or uh, learning how to play a sport. Okay. I don't play golf. Uh, I don't really play very many sports, uh, but I did, I did want to learn to, uh, to uh, hunting. Um, I was living in uh, Northwoods of Wisconsin at tons of white-tailed deer and turkey and all this other kind of stuff. And I was like, man, I've lived here for all these years. And uh, I've never, I've never gone hunting. I, I really, I, sh- I should do that. Uh, funny story is uh, we actually ended up moving uh, two days before open season. Oh, <laughs> so, <no. laughs> so anyway, uh, but here's the thing. So I thought to myself, all right, um, I, I want to learn, you know, I, I'm a good shot. Um, we would take the boys shooting and our rifle range and whatnot. So I'm a good shot, but I, I wanted to learn about hunting because I knew that it had to be more than just, you know, pointing and clicking. So uh, what did I do? Well, I sought out the information. I just started by going online and, you know, I, I you know, actually I, I kind of already know, knew cause people told me, you know, well, you need to get certified. You need to have a license. You can't just go out and, you know, do it, which really annoyed me. I can't just shoot something on my own land. And of course, you know, I put up a fuss about that, but okay, fine, whatever. So I need to get a license and to get a license, you have to go through certification. And I had friends that hunted. And so what did I do? I went to them and I asked questions. Okay. So what do, what do I need to know? If, especially if I want to hunt deer, you know, what kind of gun should I be using? What kind of clothes? Should, and guess what? There's a ton of information out there. The government, uh, you know, gave me a certification education class and told me a bunch of this information, guys who have been hunting for all this time, they were more than happy to tell me uh, about what I needed to know and point me in the right direction. And guys, we do this all of the time. Before we buy a car, we go online and we, we get information from the people who know. We go to the source. Uh, if we want to learn how to play golf, we, we, we start reading golf periodicals, right? We know exactly what we need to do if we want to get into shape. We have to go to the gym we have to get a trainer and we have to do what the trainer says. But then we guys like, oh, you know, I just, I don't know how to be a better dad. You know, where do I start? Stop it. You, <laughs> you, you do actually, I mean, if, if you're brand new to Christianity, if you're, if you're, if you're not even a follower of Christ, you might not know. And I understand that. I totally recognize that. But if you, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, if you're, if you're in the church, if you uh, have been a disciple of the Lord for any amount of time, you actually do know the answer. The answer is going to be found in God himself. God has communicated himself through uh, the word. That is where we've got to start. And we need, so we need to get into the word. We need to get into a church that is preaching the word. We have to have relationships with men who know the word. And this is where it gets really ridiculous. Because when I was curious about how to hunt, I had men coming out of the woodwork to teach me how to hunt. I had guys giving me their orange clothing and their sprays, and uh, and, and and some guys were giving me like, "You want to borrow my rifle? You want to you know here's some ammo?" You know, I I had guys tell me they would sit for hours and we talk about 
you know, different things I needed to know about hunting, but you get a bunch of, you know, professing Christian men together. And a guy says, Hey guys, uh, I'm really curious how to be a better dad. And all of a sudden this is what you hear. Yeah. If you're waiting to hear something, that's, that's the problem. You don't hear anything. You hear silence. Uh, well, yeah. In, you know, uh, and, and we have God's word, we have everything we need, but um, we don't recognize, it, we don't realize it. And so we go running off to Facebook, some parenting community saying, hey, I need help with my kid. Or we go to pop psychology or we pull some book off of a library shelf or we listen to some secular um, psychiatrist uh, give us advice on how to parent um, because for some reason we're avoiding the one place we know we're going to find the answers. And so if, and I, I, I almost feel like I have to apologize, uh, especially, you know, when I'm a guest on somebody else's show, because uh, what am I, I'm, what am I doing to your poor audience here? It's like, I'm, this guy comes in here, what's he putting his feet up on the, on the uh, coffee table, slapping everyone around, what in the world, but guys, let me just tell you this, in, in, in total transparency and love, I'm saying to you what I've had to have said to me over and over and over again, men who have loved me have gotten into my face and said, Aaron, stop lying to yourself. Aaron, come on, you know the answer. You know exactly what you should be doing, but you're choosing not to do it. And so I, I love you. Uh, I haven't met you. If you're, if you're listening to this, likely I have never met you, but I know that God loves you and I love you. And his, the answer is in his word. And so what do we do? We open it. We get to know who he is. We get to know what his expectations are. We, we surround ourselves by him. We, we hang out with his people. We talk about things. And that's where we're going to find the answers. No, the Bible is not set up as a parenting book with a, you know, a place in the back where I can go and I can look up parenting and I can be shown all of the relevant passages. Um, the Bible is uh, an introduction, a revelation of God himself. And as we get to know God and as we get to understand who he is and how he wants us to live, then the application to parenting actually um, is, is from the beginning to the end. When I first started the podcast, my wife asked me, so um, how long is this podcast going to go? Because there's not really a lot of parenting verses in the Bible. And I was like, well, considering that pretty much every verse in the Bible can be applied to parenting or can be used within a parenting context, I, I think I, I might be able to go for quite a while. And that's how we need to approach it. You know, if I'm trying to learn how to be the parent that God wants me to be, whether that's a husband or a wife, a mother or a father, uh, then it's the answer is going to be found in the scriptures. And that's where I need to start. I would just say, though, specifically, uh, go to Ephesians. Paul does a great job of laying out the foundation of our faith. Uh, the first uh, first half of the book and the second half of the book, it gets really practical about some of the, the, the basic starting points for every member of the family, parents included. That is encouraging. That is challenging. That's humbling too, because I think, like you say, in some ways we want to look everywhere else, but at God's word. And I don't know, you know, I think that's part of that sin nature in us that even though we are Christ followers, you know, there's, you know, there's that sinfulness still working in us. And it's like, ooh, or maybe it's just that fear or, or maybe it's just we're actually going to find the answers and we are afraid of what we're going to find. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's so true. I'm going to have to change. Oh, no. It is. But but like you say, that, that really kind of ties back to that identity, right? Because yeah. if, if we are in Christ, then we are his. We are his creation. He is, he is Lord. We are his. And it's beautiful. We are adopted as his children. We are co-heirs. Nothing can separate us. 
but yet we are created beings. And so, you know, we can't control how long we live. We, we, can't, we don't know any of that. And yet he does. And that's beautiful. But I know as, as a guy, as a human, man, my pride gets in the way, way oh, more yes. often than I, than I am comfortably admitting in public. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So we can, I can, I, Aaron Brewster can be so arrogant and just, even in the idea that I can start my day without God, oh. um, the idea that I can, I can navigate this marriage conflict or this parenting situation on my own, even just the, not, not even like the conscious decision. I don't need God for this. I don't think I've ever said that, but the fact that I go into it without God, the fact that I go into it um, with my own safety and security and satisfaction in mind, my, based on my own identity, that is the arrogance that I, I mm. don't need God in that moment. Because, you know, if someone came to me and said, okay, Aaron, you owe me $3 million. I would not be fool enough enough to go, okay, well, let me, um, let me start <laughs> pulling it together. I know that I don't have that kind of money. I recognize in that situation, I immediately have to turn around and start seeking help someplace else. I'm not mm. going to find it in me. Um, and yet I think that I can go into parenting situations and marriage situations and I'm comp- completely equipped to do so, which is why, you know, Christ starts off Sermon on the Mount the way he does. Hmm. If you recognize that you are spiritually destitute, okay, there's nothing good spiritually in you. Uh, and if you're grieved by that fact, what will be the first response? Meekness, humility, turning to God and saying, help, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Uh, the, the reason a homeless person has no problem going up to a complete stranger and asking for money is the fact that he recognizes his poverty and he is grieved by that and he wants to do something about it, but he knows he can't and he needs to rely on you for help. And so in a parenting situation or, or a marriage situation, if I'm being honest and not arrogant, then I'm recognizing I, Aaron Brewster, do not have what is necessary to navigate the situation to God's honor and glory. He has it. And I'm grieved by that fact. I'm, I'm a sinner. I need help. So dear God, I'm resting on you. And what do we see comes next? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. When we humbly submit to God, we can now even start desiring righteousness. And then we can be the peacemakers. We can be pure. We can rejoice in persecution. Uh, by, the, by the way, being a parent is, is to be persecuted for righteousness sake. Okay, If you're parenting to God's honor and glory, sometimes your kids are going to hate it and they are going to persecute you because of it. But you don't have to allow that to bother you. You can rejoice and be glad in that moment. But it all starts with shedding our arrogance and, and donning that humility that recognizes that I am nothing. God is everything. And he wants to give me everything. I just really appreciate that because that I need that in me. I need to remember you know, whose I am and that, um, that I can't do it on my own. Just like you said, there's a lot of situations we walk into and it's like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. I, you know, I can you know, I think of anything car related, I'm toast. I know where the <laughs> gas too. goes. And it's like, you know, I know a bunch of other people who are like, oh, I changed the oil. I did all that. I'm like, dude, I, I know where the gas goes. And, and so anything else I need help with. So I don't assume that. Right. But, but yet too often, you know, I walk into situations thinking, oh, I got this, but it couldn't <laughs> be further from the truth. So just kind of wrapping this up, because I feel like we could we could just talk forever. And this has been an awesome conversation. If if our listeners want to know more about you, where to find your podcast, where to find uh, just a variety of the materials that you mentioned, where would you like them to go? Sure. Yeah. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. So truthloveparent.com. 
.com or .org um, will take you right where you need to go. Now, there are other websites that all redirect to the same place. Uh, the Celebration of God has its own. Um, you, Celebration of God will take you to a place in there. ambrewster.com will take you to a place in there. But if you go to truthloveparent.com, you can be introduced to all the stuff that we have going on over there. Those three different things I told you about, the biblical parenting resources, the training, as well as the biblical counseling. If somebody wanted to uh, say, hey, we'd love to hear more of this, uh, you know, have them come speak at our church or something like that. All of the, all that kind of stuff is there. And for everybody listening, uh, I'll make sure that gets in the show notes along with any of the other uh, social media links or anything else that Aaron has, all that's going to be in the show notes. So feel free, you can scroll down uh, wherever you're listening to it and grab that uh, as well. So um, well, Aaron, it has been just a, a pleasure speaking with you today. So glad you accepted the invite. And um, yeah, thank you so much. No, it's an absolute honor. I love talking about God. He's totally worth it. Um, I need to talk about God so that I don't forget about him. So me thank too. you for giving me the opportunity to, to, to talk about him some more. Oh, it is my pleasure. And I need to talk about him more too, because I need that reminder. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. That was a wonderful conversation with Aaron Brewster. Three things that jumped out at me. First, the parenting challenges we have now are the same challenges parents have always faced, even since Adam and Eve. And like the biggest thing is just identity, both our identity as parents, the identity of our children, finding that identity in Christ alone. A second thing that jumped out at me, I loved how he talked about all of our children are addicted to something. They're addicted to themselves. And that holds true for us. Uh, self, uh, selfishness are, uh, is really the biggest thing that uh, we wrestle with on a daily basis. And the last thing is we can influence our children, but only God changes people. We can influence our children, but only God changes people. So we can show them how awesome God is and that he is worthy of our obedience. We can invite them to respond. But ultimately, God changes hearts. But you know what? Our kids are going uh, to believe. They're going to know what we believe uh, really by looking at how we live. So excellent conversation. Uh, Check out his material, his podcasts, uh, and be encouraged by him and learn. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, Check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, and Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.